God is not a man that he should lie. God would never tell us a lie. His love never fails. We spent a considerable amount of time last week addressing the need for the church. Yes, the church. Not the world, but the church in, that is in need of a supernatural worldview, especially in the Western culture. We've become so scientific that unless we can figure it out, digitize it, it's probably not real. But we visited this supernatural backdrop concerning the realm of the dead and the players of that rule in that realm. It's so important for us to have the right perspective of who we're dealing with. So we went deep into the origin of the demons and how they came about. We also observed the warnings from the scriptures that we're to abstain from any inquiring of these entities. No direction for activities of life, no fortune telling, no going to those readers. Avoid them. There is a power there. God has told us to stay away. Do not open those doors. So we observe that. And the actually the command for this age since the days of Christ and the days of Pentecost is to cast out these demonic forces that have taken captive unprotected souls who have not overcome their natural rebellion and it actually become servants of Satan. They are still in the slave market of sin and under the control of the king who rules the realm of the dead of which you and I were once part of. But by the grace of God, we've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the glorious kingdom of light. But people still are demonized. There are those that are possessed. And the word that's used in the scripture is just, for the most part, one particular Greek word. And it, it's used predominantly through uh, describing the work of these demonic entities, these uh, malevolent beings and all. Paul suffered satanic attack. The church was under persecution or being attacked. It's always been that way. There's these demonic creatures have nothing better to do than to make life miserable for mankind. Now the difference between an unbeliever and a believer in this attack is that an unbeliever who is still in the slave market of sin can be possessed and control. In fact, that's what the Bible says, that they are under, the children of the darkness are under the control of the wicked one. Even, even are being led unbeknownst to them. A Christian cannot be possessed. He's just harassed. He's attacked. And so the, if you've been a Christian for very long, you bear witness to that. You understand spiritual warfare. It's not a fun thing to do, but we're to put on the armor. Ephesians 6, clothe ourselves with... God hasn't left us here as orphans. He hasn't left us here unprotected. It is our job to take up the armor and to withstand these evil entities. And so we visited this last week because it's such an important part of the Christian life to overcome the realm of darkness, to overcome our flesh, of which this is the avenue by which we are attacked. It is through our fallen nature that the enemy attacks us. And in working in this area of 
casting out demons and exorcism and all. We are commanded to do so in Jesus' name and not be intimidated by what we don't necessarily fully understand or knowing also that those powers are actually greater than our own power. But we don't do it in our name. We do it in the name of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. So it's not really us doing it. It's the work of God through us as as we trust Him. We have to understand that God loves people. He doesn't want people to be tormented. He doesn't want the people to to live uh, under this destruction that these entities bring into a human life. Thank God that he puts his shield of protection around those who love him. And he protects us from so much of that. We sometimes forget the joy and the peace and how blessed that is just to have love and joy within our hearts. And because, and because, all because God is protecting us. Now, as we finish the rest of the chapter here, 21 through the rest of the chapter, verse 43, it's sort of a, a, a two stories wrapped into one. And we, I made an allusion to this. This is actually the way we're to go about imaging God. To image God means we are His ambassadors. We are His representatives. We are doing. On this earth, in this physical realm, this horizontal axis in which we live, we're doing what God would want us to do if he were, what he would do if he were here physically. We see what Jesus did. He did always those things that pleased the Father. When someone needed to be healed, wherever he went, he brought healing. When everyone needed a demon cast out, he was there to do that. He was there to always lift a hand. You're a little short on wine at the wedding. Well, we can take care of that too. I mean, the guy was just amazing. Well, we're called to image the Father the same way that Jesus imaged the Father. And we do this by being filled with the Holy Spirit. And wherever we go, we trust God to work through us to meet the needs that are around us. That's the compassion that God has for these people who are being tormented, people that are in need of healing. We're just a hurting bunch this side of heaven. It's a fallen, cursed world. And we desperately need the touch of God in our lives in so many ways. And so this is a story about two people all kind of wrapped into one. And, and this is Jesus' ministry. You know, he, he's trying to get a, a little nap in as they're taking the boat ride in the previous chapter, as we remember. And, you know, he can't even do that without some satanic eruption, you know, the wind and the sea and trying to you know, overrun the boat and flip it over and capsize and, and delete Jesus from the scene, you know. I mean, this, this is what's going on. And then he barely hits the shore and these de- demon demoniacs come out and just, you know, uh, put on their little show, you know. And I, you know, I'm just trying to get away from the crowd for a little bit here, right? Well, he's meeting needs wherever he goes. And then he gets back here and he's there. Hey, Jesus is here. And immediately, you know, there's this huge crowd gathering around him. And right in the midst of it, this ruler of the synagogue comes up. And it's just, it's, I mean, it's just from one thing to another to another. I mean, this is ministry. This is life. You think your life's fast. You think about what Jesus went through. And he didn't have all this modern technology either, right? I mean, this sort of absorbs our life, takes over our life, and we never have a dull moment, right? Well, just think about the action-filled life that Jesus lived with his disciples. That's pretty amazing to me. So he barely gets back here as we pick it up in verse 21. And when Jesus crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, when he saw him, fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. 
come, lay your hands on her, that she may be healed, and she will live. And so Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. And so let's stop right there because that's the first thing that happens to Jesus as he's on the move. I want to point out a few things that we see in these five verses or so. Four verses. Do you ever get emotional with God? Do you really care about something so deeply that you're willing to lay aside your dignity for just a little bit? Really, does your need outweigh what other people think of you? Would you seek God? You know, would you be willing to humiliate yourself before others if the occasion called for it? Are you at the point where you realize that your need can only be met by the person of Jesus Christ? That's where this guy was at. You know, he's a ruler of the synagogue, which means he's in charge. There are some things that we cannot control in our life. In fact, there's probably more things in our lives that involve our lives that we cannot control than we can control. We can barely control ourselves. (laughs) So why do we think we can control everything else, right? One thing we cannot control is our health, unless, at least to some degree, we can eat, exercise, and do all the things right for our body, but that is no guarantee that we won't come experience some malady or some disease. We're not in control, but God is, and this is why the ruler came to him. He knew Jesus could handle this. Do you believe that Jesus can handle your problem? That's the question this morning. Do you think it's out of the reach of God? Do you think it's out of, beyond God's compassion? Well, I say it's not. Nothing is out of the reach of God. Think of this for a moment. God knows every need that exists. God is never in a state of learning. He knows everything that can be known is already known by God. Then why didn't he just fix it, you know? That's usually the comment you get, excuse me, with that kind of a thing. Well, why don't you ask him? That's the way it works in the kingdom. That's what prayer is all about. It's simply asking God for assistance and help to rectify what is wrong. God wants to take make things that are wrong right, but he wants to use you to do that. Do you ever think in those terms? You should. That's what it means to image the Lord. No, I think it's important what he said. You know, if you will just come lay your hands on my daughter, she will be healed. You know, I've been watching you, Jesus, and it seems like whoever comes to you and you do this, things happen. Isn't that great? Jesus had quite a reputation by this time. So he knew that this was out of his control, but not out of the Lord's control. Now, Jesus obviously senses the urgency within this man. I mean, this guy loses all dignity. He gets down on his feet at the feet of Jesus. I don't really care what, you know, you guys may think I'm special because I'm the ruler of synagogue. I don't care. My daughter's dying. This is important to me. I need Jesus. Oh, well, let's be careful because we don't want to worry about what other people might think of us. Well, when you have a need, it doesn't really matter, right? 
You're going to cry out. You're going to seek God, and there's nothing wrong with that. That shows the earnestness and the intensity of, of the need. And so Jesus, is, he knows this. He senses this. He, he gets the emotion of the moment. And right in the middle of this, somebody else comes barging into the scene. This deeply afflicted woman had an opportunity to touch Jesus. And maybe Jairus is thinking, you know, now? I mean, come on. Get in line for your healing, lady. I was here first. You know, I mean, let's let's think about this for a moment. You know, get... Put it in, I'll put it in the context of my own selfishness. I know what I would be thinking. Impatient Americans, we have a problem with patience. We have a low tolerance for people who cut in line, especially at the DMV. <laughs> We do understand human nature, don't we? Sometimes it calls for constraint. We need to act a little different. Self-control is not challenged until it's placed in a situation that calls for (laughs) self-restraint. That's the way it is. I'm going to sum this up by what we can learn in just these four verses about prayer that are very important to us in our lives. Verses 21 through 24. We are to come to Christ. We are to come to Jesus. He is the source. There's no other name. There's no other place to go. Let's just get that right out there. And if you think you can go to the drugstore or visit your doctor and you're going to fix all your problems through, through them, well, I'm sorry, you're sadly mistaken. They might cover the symptom for a while, but you're never going to get to the root of the issue. Always first go to Jesus. Come to Jesus. And get down on your knees at his feet and cry out in earnestness. That's, that shows the sincere desire and, and want. That's so important. You know, even people who are committed to God have needs. I mean, this guy was the ruler in the synagogue. There's a godly guy. He's living for God. Nothing bad should happen to him. I mean, after all, he loves God. Oh, come on now. We live in a fallen world. Bad things happen to people who love God. Tragedy strikes even the godly. But God's grace is sufficient. And this is what we, we all have to come to Jesus, right? We all have to come to Jesus. And notice what he did here. He stated his need clearly. How many times when we bring general needs, oh, bless the world, save sinners. Well, how about the, naming the sinner? How about specifically calling out what the need is? That might help. If you pray generally, guess what you're going to get? General answers. You want specific needs met? Pray specifically. Clearly delineate what you are bringing to God. That's so, you know, that sounds sort of, you know, elementary, but sometimes we need to be reminded. And then express your faith when you make the request. If you will come and if you will lay your hands on my daughter, she will be healed. Isn't that great? He, there's, a, there's faith there. You must believe that God is. And he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I think that's wonderful. 
Lay your hands on her. She will be healed. You will create new life in her, Lord. And then let God respond. Give God some space. Give him some time to work things out. Things don't always happen instantaneously with the Lord. Now, I know when we read through the Gospels, a lot of times when things, you know, like this woman, she, we're going to read about here shortly, it's usually touching, I mean, boom, healed. And there's times when God, I mean, we lay hands on people and they are touched. And what's this hot stuff going, whoa, I can feel some heat in my body. I mean, something's going on here. God's recreating, God's healing. It's, sometimes it is immediate. Other times, not so much. Like, I prayed, nothing happened. So, so sometimes you just pray again. How many times did Elijah pray for the rain to come? And he got down on his knees every time, didn't he? And go look again. Wait a minute. God said if I prayed and believed he'd do this. Okay, seven times. Now, well, you know, don't see too much. There's a little, looks like a, looks like a man's fist way out there in the Mediterranean. Did you go tell the guy it's going to rain? You see what it means? You've got to be persistent. You've got to go for it. And this is important. Then there are times you need to discern interruptions. No doubt, what, you know, I don't know what, I begin to think what was going through this ruler's mind. Was this satanic attack? This lady come up trying to steal Jesus away, trying to delay him so that my daughter dies? I mean, what's up with this? You know, sometimes there is satanic attack. Sometimes it's just people just have needs. This lady just had, I would say she had a need. I mean, 12 years of hemorrhaging of this nature. Oh, my goodness. You know, there's, you just have to discern that so you don't get frustrated. You know, because sometimes, you know, on the way to where you're going, there are traffic jams and somebody did something stupid and caused this whole problem. That could be the enemy, right? I get it. But sometimes there's unthoughtful words that are spoken in ignorance by well-intentioned people just trying to help out. Get beyond all that. Trust the Lord. Give God space to work things out. Didn't see that many things in that verse there. Those verses did you, but it's there. Let's apply it by the grace of God. question we have to ask us in, in these situations, and I'll go on to the next story here, because they all are melded into one here, aren't they? Is God ever late? Has God ever been tardy? We'd like to think so, maybe sometimes. I'm sure that's what he was thinking. Man, this is gonna this is taking way longer than it should to get to my house. Oh, you know. You love your children. This is a great need. This is well beyond what we're able to handle. We know life is you know, the a time of the essence issue, right? We're told in Scripture to redeem the time. We're told to take advantage of the opportunities that, we're, that are presented to us. Time pressure is the way of life for earth dwellers, isn't it? We're always under some kind of time pressure. We have to learn to give that time pressure to God. Now, verses 30, 25-34. A certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. Sounds familiar. Oh, she had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. Verse 27, when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For She said, if 
I only may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. And immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But the disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him all the whole truth. And he said to her daughter, Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Notice it says here, now a certain woman. And I want to drive this point home. You are a certain person to God. Not just a woman. Not just any woman. A certain woman. You're not just a man. You are a certain man in God's eyes. Not just a woman. You are a certain woman in God's eyes. God sees the masses, of course. He sees the multitudes. He likes big numbers. He's a big God. But he also sees the individual and the very need that each one has. Never forget that. God is so personal with each one of us. And he knows how to deal effectively with us. He knew her need. The Spirit of God obviously opened this opportunity for this lady to exercise her faith. She is saying in her heart, Matthew 21, or 9, 21, Matthew 9, 21, tells the same story of this from a little different angle. But she thought in her heart, you know, if I can just get close enough, just keep getting close, keep coming, you know, just Jesus, if you just get a little bit closer, and if I can just touch his clothes. She's, she's got faith building in her heart. Sometimes faith needs tangibility. That's why we do the touch that's why we lay hands. It is a transfer. It is an identification. This is God made us to be interactive and social beings. We are the body of Christ. Uh, you know, you may not like certain parts of your body, but by the grace of God, they're yours. <laughs> they're mine. My fingers are mine. Your parts are your parts. They are, and that's the way it is. We we pretty much love our parts because they all have need and they function for us, right? Think about in terms of the body of Christ. We are all interconnected. We are the children of God. And we are connected one to another. It's so important that we understand the body of Christ concept. It isn't that we go... The church is not this brick and mortar building here, folks. The church is us. We are the ecclesia, the assembly. We are the called out ones of God. We are related to one another. The spirit is thicker than the blood in that sense. We're bonded by the spirit of God. So I've mentioned this before and I'll mention this really quickly. There's two things that go on in this chapter that are important when it comes to the supernatural worldview and the things that we need to have within our understanding as we work in this arena we should not, first of all, we are disciples. And this is what this ministry is all about. It's about making disciples. We're not about going to church and, you know, saving our conscience once a week. We're about walking with Christ 
every day of our lives, and wherever we go, we represent God. And we need to know how to do that. We need to, how to, we need to be comfortable with the supernatural. You can be intimidated. We can be a little fearful and a little edgy about it because it's, you know, it's mysterious, let's face it. But we don't need to be intimidated about it. We need to walk in it and be comfortable with it because Jesus certainly was. And we are his children. When it comes to the power of God, it works in a couple different ways. With demon possession, what you're doing is you're removing something. You're removing something that is out of order. It is not the way God created it, and it needs to be removed from that person, and it's control over that person. You have the authority in Jesus' name to command these spirits to be gone, and they will obey you. Don't be surprised if a holy anger arises within your spirit as you're working in that arena because you are sensing what God senses, the damage that they are causing to that individual, and God wants it to cease. And you're the instrument by which God wants to use to make it to go away. You don't need to get into a conversation with that entity. You don't need to find out what its name is. Just speak to it and tell it to go in Jesus' name, and it will go. And some of these are they're so strong, it, there needs to be more than one person involved, and there needs to be fasting and prayer. So there's different levels of entity and their power and control over a person. So, you know, if something doesn't work out quite right, well, don't become discouraged. Just, you know, gather more troops and get more fervent in your attempt to deal with that. But you're removing something, and you're bringing order back to the way God intended it to be, and it takes the power of God to do that. The second thing when it comes to the power of God is in the area of healing for sickness or, or something that needs to be repaired in the body. We are releasing the creative power of God to put back what should be there the way it was originally created, but it's faltered. It's failed. Something has damaged it. And so when we are praying for healing, we're praying for God to release that power to, to move in that area, to recreate something that was there and, and that should be there. You know, you know we, we, uh, if you cut, what is the starfish? If you cut off one of their arms, what will happen? <laughs> It'll eventually grow another one. You know, that's crazy, right? <laughs> you know, does God love starfish more than you? You know, can God sort of, you know, get that thing going on the half, behalf of a human being, recreate an organ, recreate cartilage, re, reconstruct muscle, bones. It's nothing. God, you made you the first time. Do you think you'll have any trouble remaking you the second time? You're going to get a new body when you get to heaven, but in the meantime, you've you got a lot of work to do, so you need to be fit. Amen? <laughs> so that's why we pray for one another. There's just a subtle difference there, and I think he, it's good to know what's going on in those two arenas when we pray for people. Bottom line, and what we learned from this lady was faith. She, it was about doing, not just knowing. She could have said back there, I know Jesus can heal me. I've seen him do all this other stuff. I mean, man, he's, he's marvelous. Jesus can heal me. Nothing would have happened if she would have stood there on the sidelines and, and let the procession roll on by. Nothing would have happened. Zero. She would have kept spending her money and living in pain and suffering. It wasn't until she decided to do what? Something. If I might just touch the hem of his garment, his clothes, I will be made well. There has to be a point of contact. You must do something to exercise your faith, and God will show you what you should do. And then when you pray for people, you know, Jesus mentions this here. Sometimes you will sense 
something going through your body, but you don't have to. Well, I didn't feel anything when I was praying for the person. You don't have to. It's not about feelings. You might feel something. And it, you might even be thinking, why am I doing what I'm doing? Uh, whoa, it just seems kind of sketchy here. Like, whoa, why am I touching? You know, but hey, do it. Just let the Spirit lead you and direct you. I've shared this before, and I'm, I'm a little hesitant, but I'm going to share it because I